Gearheads know that some projects need so many parts, it feels like you need a whole storage unit just to store them. That's what eBay Motors' 122 million parts are for. Think of it as your virtual parts garage. They've always got the right fitment at the right prices. Use the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Hi there, Harvest City family. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, I know you're going to be blessed as we look at the Word of God together. We've actually been teaching on the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire and what that means. This is actually going to be the fourth and final message in the series. You know, the New Testament is clear that the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit is for everyone, everywhere. In fact, all four Gospels talk about that. But I love what Peter said on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39. When speaking to the crowd, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are afar off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. But what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And how does this uh, experience affect our lives? Well, one clue to help us understand this is the reference in the New Testament to the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire as a spiritual metaphor is what it's speaking of. And, and of course, John said, when the Messiah comes, he's gonna be different than me. Even though I baptize you with water, He's mightier than I, and, and the strap of his sandals I'm not worthy to untie, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he was speaking of Jesus. When Jesus came, he would baptize people in the Holy Spirit, and fire is what it literally means. Now, fire, when controlled, we know can be of great benefit to humankind. Fire produces power. Fire also generates light. It creates heat, and then today we're going to be looking at the fourth aspect of fire, the fourth characteristic of fire, and that is that fire is capable of purifying precious metals. As we look in the scripture today, we're going to see that there are many key passages that, that help us understand the role of the Holy Spirit. But I love the fact that Paul, in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of holiness. And he says that God actually demonstrated the power of the resurrection by raising Jesus from the dead with the spirit of holiness. So one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry is that of affecting holiness in God's people. But what is holiness? You know, a lot of people think, well, is holiness something we do? You know, it's an outward, um, you know, just kind of uh, uh, almost legalistic sense in which we obey certain laws, we dress a certain way, and we talk a certain way. And, and people look at holiness often today and, and miss the main point. They think as holiness is just being the, the outside, the external. But the Bible talks about holiness in Hebrews, and it actually says that without holiness, no man shall see God. And then if you go over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. So what he's saying is that holiness is purity of heart. It starts on the inside. Unlike the Pharisees who, who conform to a certain ostentatious type of, of behavior and doing their deeds to be seen, seen by men, the holiness that God uh, affects in our life is actually something that starts in the inside. It starts in our heart. And, and Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know, first clean the inside of the cup and then the outside will be cleansed as well. In other words, he said, you are like, you know, whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, you look good, but inwardly, you're full of dead men's bones and rot. And so the holiness that God wants to affect in us is a work of grace. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing that we can do to be holy. Even though the Bible does speak of the fact that we are to be holy, we're going to see this morning that that literally means that we just embrace what Jesus did at the cross to make us holy. Now, one of the other things about holiness that we need to understand is that it is actually a work that causes us to become more like Jesus himself. Romans 8, 29 says that those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image or the likeness of his son. What does that mean? It means this, that Jesus died on the cross so that we would become like Jesus here on the earth. He didn't just die on the cross to take us to heaven, but he has left you and me here for a purpose. And that is that we would become more like Jesus while we are here on the earth. I love the fact that the Bible speaks of this spiritual experience that, that Jesus himself called being born again in John chapter 3, verse 3. The word born again is actually a very interesting term in the Greek. It can be translated born from above or born from a higher place. It speaks of things which come from heaven or from God himself. And as a consequence of the new birth, the Bible says we are able to see the kingdom of God. We are born again and we are born into the kingdom of God, which the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not food or drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the realm of the kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus said we are born again, he equated this to be being born of water and being born of the Spirit. He says in John chapter 3, verse 6, For the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. So when we are born again, we experience the realm of the kingdom where there is supernatural life. Life. That's an amazing thing. The scripture says that when we're born again, we become a new creation and a new person in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Elsewhere, Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, that we are to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Now, in the New Testament language, in the Koine Greek, there are actually 
two words that we translate new in English. We're going to look at those words because they really help us understand what happens to us when we're born again. When the Bible speaks about being a new man, when the scripture speaks about how in Christ we're a new creation, both of those words, both of these New Testament words are actually employed here. Now, the first word is naos. And naos signifies new in respect of time, that which is recent. So when we're born again, literally a new life has begun. It's an amazing thing. It's, it's a fresh start. It's a new beginning for us. And in fact, some people even celebrate the day they came to Christ and, and call it their spiritual birthday because it's such a, a real thing for them and, and it's just impacted them in terms of a new beginning in their life. Well, the second word is kainos, and kainos has a different meaning. Kainos speaks of newness in form or in quality. It conveys the idea of something never experienced before, something unprecedented. And it literally contrasts the difference in character between something new and something old. So here's the amazing thing. God is saying that when we are born again from that moment in time onward, it wasn't like we just received an upgrade or an update to who we used to be. That old person is actually gone. We are completely new. We are a new man. We are a new person in Christ Jesus. That is an amazing thing. I remember hearing the story years ago of the great evangelist Reinhard Bonnke, and, and someone asked him, if God is so powerful, can he unscramble scrambled eggs. And Reinhard Bonnke mused on that for a moment and then he responded and he said, God does not need to unscramble scrambled eggs. God gives you a new egg. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens when we're born again. God doesn't give us, you know, something that we had and, and just improve it and make it better. It's not like he puts a coat of polish on, on, a, on a car or something like that to make it look newer and better. But meanwhile, it's the same thing all along. No, God actually gives us a new life from the moment that we are born again. And the scripture actually says that this life that he gives to us is his very own life. Consider the following passages in the New Testament. Ephesians 4, particularly in verse 24, says that we receive a new nature when we were born again and we were created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Peter said in 2 Peter 1 verse 4, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Through God's promises, we are able to share his divine nature. One translation says we become partakers of the divine nature. Perhaps one of the most intriguing statements in the Bible is found in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. In the New Living Translation, it reads, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. What is he saying here? Is he saying that the moment we're born again, we no longer sin? Not at all. But what he's saying is that God's nature, actually the Greek is God's seed, dwells in us. In other words, we receive a new nature, God's nature in us. 
And the idea of the Greek here is that it is no longer possible for us to just continue in habitual sin, a lifestyle of sin like before we knew God. And just as a dog or dogs reproduce dogs, just as a chicken reproduces a chicken, humans reproduce human, so God reproduces his nature in his people. In fact, because we are God's children and his seed or his nature is now in us, which is a supernature, meaning it's a superior nature, there are things that were once natural for us to do that are no longer natural for us. And there are also things that were unnatural for us that now become natural for us. For example, it is no longer natural for us to sin. So he says we no longer sin habitually. We no longer sin as a lifestyle because the nature of God dwells in us. The, in the true child of God, in us dwells the very divine nature. And it is now unnatural for us to live in habitual sin because we were created in Christ Jesus to walk in holiness. Conversely, it is now natural for us to live supernaturally. God has given us his nature. There's absolutely no limitations. We begin to see things through the lens of his kingdom and his uh, power that he can do anything. And so we begin to walk in a new revelation of faith. We begin to see the power of the kingdom demonstrated on the earth. And that really becomes our new normal in him. First John 4, 17 says, because... As he is in the world, so are we. We can live like Jesus did while he was in the world, according to 1 John 2, 6 as well, which says, if anyone says he abides in him, let him walk even as he himself walked. You know, we're no longer just sinners that are saved by grace. I'm not saying that we don't sin, but I'm wanting you to understand that the Bible is clear that we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We, we shouldn't look at ourselves as, well, I'm going to always sin. I'm always going to walk in, in this place of bondage and addiction and, and contradiction to God's word, and I can never walk in victory. We have to change that mindset. We have to move into a place where we recognize that we are able to walk in the fullness of God's glory and his power. Amazingly, in the New Testament, we are called saints of God. I was looking at um, the book of 1 Corinthians, and when you read Paul's letter to this church, this was a church that had a lot of problems. He said they were carnal, they were full of division, there was immorality in the church, and many other things that really were contrary to God's standard for his people. But yet Paul addresses them as saints. He didn't call them sinners or backsliders. He actually says they are saints. And the word saint means holy, separated, sanctified. Interestingly, the word actually literally means not of the earth, not of the dirt. And so we are called to be heavenly minded. We are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places while we are here living on the earth. So the call is for us to be able to live in a place where we manifest the holiness of God. People look at our lives and they see the very nature, the very purity of God. They see the, the nature of Christ in us, that we're like Christ Jesus himself. And this is not something we can do on our own. This can only be accomplished or affected by the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of holiness. And according to Philippians 2.13, he works in us 
to both will and to do God's good pleasure. The New Living says that He works in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases God. All of this is because of the Holy Spirit. When we were born again, we were given God's new nature. We were made completely holy. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, in the 12th chapter, it says when we were born again, it says the spirits of just men were made perfect. Our spirit man was made perfect. We were made holy. We were cleansed completely. And we were given the very nature of God. But we have a choice to make. Are we going to walk in the flesh are we going to fulfill our own desires and, and live like the way we used to live before we knew Christ? Or are we going to begin to live out of our spirit, out of that righteous and new man that we are in Christ Jesus, so that we are able to live a holy life here on the earth, walking like Jesus, overcoming sin, overcoming the devil, overcoming all of the things that would attack us and try to keep us down and limit us from living as this new man, as this new person that we are in Christ Jesus. There is no limitations with God. And when we recognize who we are, when we see that we are a new creature in Christ, and that becomes our reality in life, things begin to change. We can move to a place where we become more and more like Christ Jesus. We're no longer conformed to the world, but we're transformed through the renewing of our mind. And it causes us to begin to live out our destiny and our purpose and our calling as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And the Bible is clear that this earth is looking for a revelation, in fact, a manifestation of the true children of God. The Lord is wanting to raise up a people that know their God and who walk in their identity and do great exploits. The Lord is wanting to reveal to this world a people that are like Jesus Christ. As I said, Romans 8:29 speaks of those whom God foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son that they might, that he that Jesus might be the firstborn among many. He wants to be the firstborn, and he is the firstborn among many brothers, many sisters, an, an army, so to speak, of people that will walk like Jesus on the earth today. And as we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we recognize that the Holy Spirit not only gives us new birth and new identity, but he continues to work with us as we journey throughout this earth purifying us. He causes his fire to, to work in our hearts, to, to cause us to become more Christ-like, burning out and consuming those things that are not like Jesus. And one of the most amazing scriptures uh, in the book of Malachi is found in chapter 3, verse 3. It actually says that when the Messiah comes, meaning when Jesus comes, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Listen to this. That they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The imagery that he's employing here actually speaks of the ancient assayer or refiner. And what he would do is he would take gold or some precious metal and he would put it in an iron pot that would be situated over the fire. And, and of course, after a while, that gold would begin to liquefy. And the process of purifying the gold actually took quite some time. There was a, a test that was employed to see whether or not the, the precious metal had been duly purged. And that test involved actually looking into the pot 
to see if the refiner would actually see the reflection of his own face in the liquid gold. And if he did see that reflection, he knew that the gold had been purified. And this is what it's all about. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing on the earth today. He puts us in the fire, so to speak. And you might say, well, I can't take the fire any longer. I want you to understand something, that in the fire there is deliverance. It's in the fire that God actually brings us forth spotless and pure as gold. So don't run from the fire. Stay in the fire. Allow the Holy Spirit to continue to do His work in you. And I know at times it's not comfortable, and, and at times it even grieves us when we see that we're living contrary to God's standard for our lives. But understand this, the Holy Spirit is not trying to condemn us, but He's trying to convict us in order that we would run to the Lord, not run away from the Lord, that's what Satan wants, but run to the Lord so that His work will be accomplished in our lives. How did he know that the refining work was done? As I said, the very image, the very reflection of his face was visible in the liquid gold. When Jesus looks at us, he wants to see his image, his nature in us. He wants us to manifest his very likeness. Colossians 3.10 speaks of who we are as this new man. And listen to what the the Passion Translation says. It says, For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. Now, think about this. When a child is born, you may not be able to uh, see the resemblance of the parents in that child. But often as the child matures, it becomes very apparent that they look like one or both of their parents. The same is true with us. As we mature in Christ, we become more and more like our Father in heaven. It becomes evident that we are His children. Two things I want to talk to you about regarding this purification process. First of all, only that which is precious is worth purifying. Because you are precious in God's sight, because you are valuable to Him and He loves you, He's purifying you. Secondly, understand this, that the refiner is never closer to the gold than when He's refining it. You may be in the fire right now, and, but please be assured, please be comforted that God is with you. He's there with you. He's working with you. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. Stay in the fire and allow Him to purify you. Allow Him to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ Himself. Allow Him to do His work in your life. I want to close with this scripture verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It speaks of Peter and John, and after the death and, and the resurrection of Jesus, when they were preaching in the city of Jerusalem, it says that the, the council saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled yet, it says, because they realized that they had been with Jesus. In other words, what, what he was saying is that it wasn't their education, it wasn't their expertise nor their eloquence that caused people to take notice, but it was their association with Christ. It was their likeness to Christ Jesus himself. The Passion Translation renders this verse in the following words. 
The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Wow, what an amazing passage of scripture that people would be able to identify and understand the effect that Jesus had on us as a result of our spending time with him. As we go into his presence, the Holy Spirit causes the fire of God to burn out those things in our life. I love the fact in the book of James that it actually says that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us and that we are to humble ourselves in the sight or the presence of the Lord. The more we come into his presence, the more we come before God, the more he shines his light on us, the more he causes his refining fire to operate in our lives, consuming those things which are impure and unclean, burning out what is not like him and causing us to emerge like Christ himself in the fullness of God's image, manifesting his fruit, causing his nature and character to shine forth in our life. That's his plan. That's his purpose. The Holy Spirit wants to purify you. He wants to purify me. Will you allow him to have his way? Will you allow him to burn out those things in your life that are contrary to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ?